expand your mind and enrich your world. It's time for another outstanding podcast from ICRT. Hello and welcome to another podcast edition of Taiwan Talk. Today on the show, we're going to be talking to an American expat who's been working in Taiwan for more than 10 years as a performer and director. In the process, he's built up an impressive resume of film and stage work and even launched his own stage and screen production companies. Most recently, he established the experimental theater The Lab in Taipei. And through that theater, he's currently offering a series of master acting classes. To make the expertise of international professionals available to performers right here in Taipei in both English and Chinese. Brooke Hall, thanks so much for joining us. Great to be here. Obviously, I want to get to those uh, classes that you're going to be offering a little bit later in the interview. Uh, but before we get there, I, I want to learn a little bit more about uh, your work in Taiwan. And uh, to start things off, I'm just going to ask the, 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 the most generic possible question you can ask an expat. Uh, how did you end up in Taiwan? Great question. I, uh, I came here at the invitation of a friend of mine who had been here a few years before and really liked it and invited me in 2001 for an arts festival. And that arts festival was called the World Artists Collective, and it was near Kaohsiung. I had just finished a national tour of a Broadway show in New York and got off the tour bus after eight months of touring and was looking ready to take a vacation basically. And uh, this offer came to come to Taiwan, and I ended up saying, I've never been there before. I'm interested to go to a place where I had no idea about the language or the culture. He said it was great, and I came. So, so what did you find here that, that got you interested in staying? Basically, um, as soon as I got here, at that arts festival, I immediately met great people from local theater companies. And in those local theater companies, I found I just finished a Broadway national tour. And people would say, oh, can you show us some of your tap dancing? Or can you sing for us? Or can you do some of these? I, I was able to show some of the skills that, that I've grown up with practicing. And so um, people basically asked, can you teach me that? I want to learn that. We don't really have the opportunity in Taiwan to learn that or to see that or to experience that. So ironically, I ended up being asked to join um, a company's promotional tap dancing contest, ended up winning, and that got attention from a lot of local people who wanted to study tap dancing with me. So I put together some tap dancing classes and created a team that I affectionately referred to as the Taiwanese Housewives Tap Dancing Group because that's what they were. They were, <laughs> they were Taiwanese housewives who wanted to learn, and we got pretty good. And we started uh, performing around mostly central and southern Taiwan, and I started to get to know. At that time, I had no plans on trying to make a career here uh, and, and just thought, well, this is really entertaining and fun. And so I started to get to know lighting designers and stage designers and, and uh, costume designers. And people said, well, why don't you sort of look at, at, um, at working here more seriously? And then I was asked to put together a show for Sun Moon Lake, and I brought over two New York performers for a few weeks, and, and uh, we did a show for about a month. So I produced my first show there. And that got attention of um, some different production companies in Taipei, and I ended up moving up to Taipei and sort of saw that there was potential to stay. Until then, I think I was still sort of in a, still on a prolonged vacation, thinking mm -hmm. I was going to go back to New York. Right. 
from Taipei, then I started to meet different production companies and work with. Um, there was a company called Land Creators, and、mm-hmm. they had the idea to do Broadway-style shows with Taiwanese performers. So they brought me in with several several other people who are now my friends、um, to train a group of Taiwanese,、uh, select Taiwanese performers. And put on a show, and that show was called "I Love You, You're Perfect." Now change.、Mm. It was a show that I suggested would be good for local audiences, and it it was a hit. And I saw that there really was potential to sort of do what I had been doing up until that time in New York and in the states, and doing it in Taiwan, and with all of these friends and different people saying, "Yes, please do that here." Unfortunately, that production company was mismanaged. I don't want to. Turned sour, but I, I saw that while the the product was really great and we had people really interested and wanted to show their skills, the the production side of things ended badly with the producer leaving town and not paying hundred people, and it was it was a scandal, and people really down on it. And I thought, well, here I am. Now in a place where things can happen, being able to make things happen, I want to turn this around. I think we could really build something here that we've started, and so I cashed in all my financial tickets and basically said, "I'm going to invest in a life in Taiwan." And so then I started producing shows here. So the first show I produced was called Smoky Joe's Cafe,、mm. and used a lot of those same professionals that I had been training as well as others. And we created a, a, a hit. It was a small hit, but we really showed that that yes, there is a market for for things here, and that we could all work together. And you know, I had one foreigner in the cast, and the rest were Taiwanese. And、uh, I directed a show in Taiwanese, which I consider probably the highlight of my directing career because. I don't understand a word of Taiwanese, and so we had to very slowly translate everything from Taiwanese to Chinese. And、uh, that was actually called translated. It was called the the Great Golden Banana Incident. Oh, okay. Uh, how did uh, how do you direct a show when you don't speak the language that it's being performed in? You know, it's a great question. They had contracted a director that dropped out due to personality conflicts about three weeks before the production, and somebody on the staff had seen what I had done with Smoky Joe's Cafe and said, "There's this foreigner in town who could probably pull this off." And so they called me in and said. Look, it's about Taiwanese history, which I was a bit fuzzy on. It was sort of in the transition <laughs> from Chiang Kai-shek to、mm-hmm. Zhang Jingguo, his son, yeah, yeah, at yeah. the time when Song Meiling was, you know. And so I, I very quickly brushed up on my Taiwanese history, and、mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people sort of looked at it. As a political show,、mm-hmm. and I think it was actually a really brilliant move on their part to bring in somebody who had no political stake whatsoever, and I treated、mm-hmm. it as a story.、Mm. And working with everybody in Taiwanese actually turned out to be a lot easier than I thought because performing is performing, and if you're if you're performing a line that is serious or funny, I mean. It's really 90, not that different between from language to language. It's not that different. Sure, you know, ninety、um, percent of our communication is nonverbal,、mm-hmm. and so it's only that verbal part that I didn't understand. And so it was easy to sort of put it together. And by the end of it, I understood everything they were saying because we were in rehearsals for four months. But that was a real, a, a really great experience. Again, unfortunately, it was I, I got involved in sort of. 
political infighting. Like I said, it was it was a show that some people took politically. And the political infighting sort of began with various campaigns going on at the time and people were suing each other in in the background and and again the producer ran off and didn't pay anybody so i've had some <laughs> i've i those are two huge performing arts scandals that have happened in the last 10 years unfortunately i was at the center of, of both of them <laughs> but those things just made me want to do it again and to, mm. to to make things better so then these huge shows you know i said well i want to turn it much smaller and i want mm. to do title of show and title of show is a full well, before we keep on okay. going i think that this is a i think that this is a good segue into something that i wanted to talk to you about which okay. is you you're coming at this from perhaps a different theater tradition than uh what is present in taiwan sure what do you think that you bring to these shows that uh, a local theater producer wouldn't necessarily have in his repertoire well, there are some really talented people here. I right, mean, absolutely. I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't say that. I bring just a really different point of view. Right. My, my experience, you know, I started doing theater myself when I was eight years old, started working professionally at 14, and pretty much worked until I came here to Taiwan when I was 26, mm. show after show after show. So I built up sort of a resume of doing over 120, maybe 130 shows, including 70 or 80 big Broadway musicals. Broadway musicals was sort of where people put me in Taiwan. One, because I was, a, a, well, I'd like to think of myself, a, a, I guess I could say, a, a triple threat, what we call a triple threat, right. somebody who can sing, act, and dance. Mm-hmm. And I think that was something that I brought to the table that while I was directing Smokey Joe's Cafe, I wanted all of my singers to then suddenly dance a seven-minute dance mm-hmm. and control their breath and be able to sing the next three minutes of, of, of vocal material. I had so many people challenging me on that. I had a Taiwanese vocal director who was great. She was great. But she said, in Taiwan, we bring out the dancers and then we bring out the singers. Like, Mm. never do they cross. Mm. And I know that that show was hugely influential because I can see shows that happened after that. And I know people came to see shows and suddenly people said, why don't we have the singers dance? And why don't we have – suddenly we started having singers training and dance and we had people – creating their own triple threats. And back to your question, as as a triple threat, my my dance ability and my vocabulary of doing all of these shows is is quite extended. So, I really sort of got in before I could speak Chinese. I sort of really started knowing theater companies as a choreographer mm-hmm. and training them in dance skills. And so, as a choreographer, I bring a whole different vocabulary to the proceedings because um, my experience in, you know, as as a, a swing dancer, as a salsa dancer, as a, I can tell you the difference between twenty style, thirty style, seventy style, sixty style, eighty style, and I brought sort of this whole historical kind of vocabulary of moves to what was already being presented as more or less just evenly hip-hop or waltz. I mean, that's sort of the community that I came into, mm-hmm. where where before the movie Chicago, nobody knew. You talk to anybody in Taiwan, and I would talk to people and say, oh, yeah, I just did a, a Broadway tour, and they would think Sound of Music or West Side Story. And that was the vocabulary. And then 
the movie Chicago came out. And even now, I think if you ask anybody on the street, what is Broadway style to you, they imagine that style is called Bob Fosse. Beyond that, I found that there was a really just a lack of not education, but just a lack of experience here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not I'm not going to point any fingers, but we've all seen shows here in Taiwan where where people just sort of look at it as like a play and then the play stops and suddenly we sing a song like it's an idle TV show and then we mm. go back to the play and then there's a song and it's the art form is lost. You know, mm. I, I sort of compare it to I wouldn't dare to go back to the U.S. and say, oh, I've spent some time in Taiwan. I'm going to produce a, a Taiwanese opera. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a few Taiwanese opera shows and I know – very little about it, but I know what it looks like. Mm-hmm. I don't think that gives me the know-how and the experience to go back and produce something like that. Mm-hmm. There's a whole culture, there's a whole tradition, there's a whole history, there's a whole lot that I would need to learn first before I would do that. Now, you reverse it on the other side, and I think it's the same. Broadway shows are are done everywhere, but there is a tradition, there is a culture, and there is a, a sort of a his, history to it. And I think now things have changed a lot. Now there's quite an active swing dance community. There's an active salsa dancing community. And and I think things are, are different. People are bringing lots of different uh, elements now to the work. Mm-hmm. At that time, I was sort of in a place where I knew about these things and was able to convey them to, mm-hmm. to different performers and different groups here. So going back to uh, what you were, uh, to the narrative of your work in Taiwan, so you were saying that uh, after you had those couple of meltdowns, you decided to start working on smaller shows? Well, I had m- these meltdowns that sort of showed me, why don't I take more of a leadership role? If, if I'm going to do this, why don't I start organizing it? Unfortunately, yes, I met some people who weren't too wise with their production decisions and and everybody kind of got burned. But I also felt like there has to be a better way to do this. And so sort of looking at, at how that was possible, I thought, well, let me start small. And so rather than producing another huge show of the size that we did at TICC, let me just put together this really good, really creative, small four-person show it's still a full Broadway show, but part of the essence of the show is about how simple it is. And so this was the kind of show that I thought would, one, as a producer, be be fairly easy to produce. And two, it dealt with the idea of creativity. And I thought it was something that I hadn't seen anything of that sort here. So I wanted to move forward with it. And then I ran into the problem of venues. Mm. and And that has been... I think anybody who who produces anything here in Taiwan, there's a real shortage of venues. The waiting lists are so long for the prime venues. Mm -hmm. And even then, you can only have it for a couple days, for a weekend. And people spend Mm. all this time, four or five months in rehearsal, and then get to do their show for a weekend. So you did something to address this issue, right? Uh, uh, Is that part of why you started uh, your own production company? Exactly. Well, I started my own production company to sort of take the reins a little bit more, Mm. to to make decisions that I thought would manage things in a way that would treat everybody more fairly and Mm -hmm. also to address this problem of producers who just had big dreams and couldn't manage their finances. And so... Mm kind of ended up using everybody who was involved and then skipping town and leaving everybody 
holding the bag, holding the bag, and being really upset. I know personally, I know about ten people who said, "I'm never going to do another show. I'm out of this business." Like、mm. it just destroyed their lives, you know. And and seeing that, just saying, there has to be a better way to 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 do this and to. Um, to sort of take some more of those management decisions, so then I decided, okay, I'm going to start my own production company.、Mm. So, do you think that、uh, you've you've found a way to navigate those dire straits a little bit better? I, I think so. I think, look, anybody is going to say,、um, even even Broadway producers, they they lose money on something like 85 percent of the shows. It's it's a business that you do because you. You love it. It's a business that you do because you want to see the community grow. I think that there is, you know, Taipei is such a vibrant community, and and the creative culture is really growing here.、Mm-hmm. And and I think Taipei can really set itself apart from other places in Asia. It already is. Already, I, I hear day after day, report after report coming in from different think tanks and different people saying Taipei needs to. Look at its creative side. It needs to to embrace a creative creative economy, basically.、Mm-hmm. Whether that's through startups or technology or things that I'll let people much smarter than me talk about and decide. So it's all part of building up that sort of ecology of creativity and making it a place where people would choose to work and feel safe、uh, working there. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I could talk about the details of the performing arts business in Taiwan, but people would be absolutely shocked. And not even this isn't even talking about sort of the specifics of, of in the U.S. there are unions that sort of control how performing artists are treated every step of the way. Some of the people would say they 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 have too much control. I was a member of the performing arts union Actors Equity,、mm-hmm. and so I know. What that standard is, and I don't, I, you know, I'm not going to change things overnight in Taiwan and create an actors' union. But I also know that there has to be a better way where people feel job security as well as are treated like they would be treated at any other job. And、mm. so, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to say I'm, I'm revolutionizing the way things are done. But I also felt like. I can I can do my own part. You can make a little of, bite out of it. Yeah, and and just sort of share. You know, I'm only in this business because I love it.、Mm-hmm. I'm in this business because it's something that I think gives value to society. I think it's something that is valuable and is necessary. So this kind of dovetails with another question that I wanted to ask you.、Uh, my keen eye, I noticed、uh, the name of your two production companies. We have Ripple Productions and Butterfly Effect Theater Company. Both of these are kind of themed on making a splash, making waves,、uh, starting small and growing. Exactly.、Bigger. I、yeah. mean, you know, I know plenty of directors who are brought in by the National Philharmonic or by or、uh, coming in to direct a pop star's concert or musical, and and they're brought in. Already on the biggest possible scale. I mean, I started when I decided I wanted to stay in Taiwan. I started from knowing nobody, from knowing nobody, and really started with that group of tap dancing housewives. And through that, <laughs> which is ridiculous, but but you know, I knew I had the skills in、mm. me. I knew that I had years of experience behind me. I just needed to have people to believe in me. And part of it was sort of getting people to believe in what I could do. And showing them what I could do, and sort of that—that that has been the story of the last fourteen years—is getting people to believe in my ideas and showing them that I can execute on those ideas. So, the company, yeah, Ripple Productions, Ripple 
is is just that idea of something starting really small and creating um, creating a small change that grows and grows and grows. And I think that I, I don't want to overstep my importance or overstate my importance, but I think I have I have seen that I have have created small amounts of change in the performing arts community. So. Mm-hmm. It never really occurred to me once things started started moving like, oh, I want to go back to the U.S. to do this. I thought, well, here I am in a place where where I, I'm, I'm creating meaning in some small way. And that was much more important than going back to stage in the U.S. on a Broadway tour or something like that. Hmm. So let's bring things up to your uh, most recent project. Uh, as I mentioned in the introduction, you're going to, through the lab, which is your uh, experimental theater space that uh, you, you recently formed, uh, you're going to be offering master acting classes. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about what these classes are going to be like, what people can expect to find there? Sure. Well, the first thing is that a lot of people don't even really know what what you could possibly learn at an acting class. And there are a lot of tricks, and they involve psychology, they involve group building, they involve body awareness, they involve a lot of these different disciplines that people study. And there are some different schools of what the best way to, to, to accomplish that is. A lot of actors in New York or L.A. will study all of the tools, uh, sort of approaches to how you learn how to be a great actor. Mm. And different teachers have different things that they bring to the equation. And so what we want to do is give people, the the people of Taipei, a chance to learn from all of these really great teachers. My 14 years here, I have met a lot of really great performers of, of all kinds, as well as teachers, both foreigners and Taiwanese. And so what I want to do is basically create a place where everybody can come together. And every weekend, there'll be a different workshop where people who are really interested and want to learn how to be a better actor can decide and say, well, I want to take a class with this teacher, or maybe with this teacher, or maybe with this, and sort of figure out which way works better for me, and I want to find out more about it, and maybe later we'll we'll offer more intense classes about some of those different systems. So for now, it's sort of like, let's sample the flavors of the mm. different different schools and different methods of what people around the world are studying and how to become an actor. And is this something that uh, people would have had a hard time finding in Taiwan before? Yeah, I think, actually, I think, uh, I'm not sure about the curriculum design at the arts universities, but I think outside of the arts universities or agencies will bring in acting teachers to teach their talent. I don't think there was really any available acting classes. I take that back. A few theater companies did offer specific acting classes that sort of fit in with their methodology, I guess. And so, But there wasn't this kind of mishmash where you could look for something no. that worked for you or, or find many different kinds right, of approaches. Right. You know, and I'm, I'm a teacher myself, and I have a pro, an approach that I think works for me, and I think I can teach. And so, but I also think that my approach isn't for everyone. And this, I think, is, you know, coming back to this idea of what is different between my culture and Taiwanese culture is... We in the U.S. sample lots of things and and you want to try different things and you sort of figure out what you respond to and what you like and you sort of, you're influenced. I think traditionally here in Taiwan, teachers teach one thing and people focus on one thing and they go from one thing from the beginning of their study to the end of their study and there's a real linear sort of approach to it. 
And that's great. I mean, there are, there are some really talented and great people. All we're doing is offering something a little bit different, where if you want to sample a little bit of some different ideas and different schools of thought, then we'll make that possible. So these classes are going to be offered uh, right now. A lot of the teachers that uh, you, you already have signed up are uh, going to be speaking English, but you're also looking to make this uh, available in uh, Mandarin as well. So this is something that's going to be geared not just to the foreign community, but also to the local community as well. Is that right? Absolutely. I'm, in my 14 years of, of time here in Taiwan, I, I've, I've spent 90% of it with the Taiwanese performing arts community and probably 10% of it with the, the foreign community. As a foreigner living here, you know, I could do anything in English anywhere around. But I, I think really, if I, if I really want to bring friends and, and the community into it, I, I absolutely am going to do things in Chinese. And so I already know a lot of the really good acting teachers and I'm meeting more constantly and talking to them and sort of we're bouncing ideas off of each other. And uh, we've created a black box, which I should sort of explain as... All it is is a is a room. There's already and we're talking about a theater space right a now. A theater space, yeah, called a a black box where anything is possible. It is it is literally black on the ceiling and all the walls are black and it's it's quite small. But I also think that because I'm managing it, I could I can choose to have something. I could do thirty shows in a row if I wanted to and and build things. I think I'm now in a position where, like I said before. Getting a venue is so hard, and and being able to control it or 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 let things grow naturally is is really difficult. So now I'm in the position, which is why I've created this to nurture and build things from the bottom up. We've been speaking to Brooke Hall. He's the founder of Ripple Productions and Butterfly Effect Theater Company, both of which can be found on Facebook. Brooke Hall, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for your time. You can find links to get more information about the master acting classes on ICRT's blog post for this interview, or you can go straight to the page for those classes at tinyurl.com slash actinglabtw. That's the word tiny, the letters, URL, dot com slash actinglabtw. Thanks for listening to the interview. As always, we'd love to hear what you thought of the program. You can leave us a comment on our Facebook page or rate and review Taiwan Talk on iTunes. Or think about leaving a comment while you're checking out that blog post. That's it for today for ICRT. I'm Keith Menconi. <laughs>